we believe as a church in the power of planting churches. We believe that the gospel of Jesus is good news, not just for a few, but for the whole world. And one of the best ways, one of the ways God has chosen to spread his gospel is in the starting of new churches. And so we're active in trying to send out, train and send out church planters, both here in the U.S. and overseas. And if that's something that God has called you to, we would love to talk with you more about that and the process for stepping into this thing that God has for you. I really do view all of us, though, as church planters. I, I view all of us, whether you're called to Plano or the Park Cities or Pakistan, that all of us have a part to play in what God is doing in our generation. That's what we've been learning from Jesus the last few weeks. We've been learning that there's a mission that Jesus gives to his disciples, and that mission gives us meaning for our lives. And we've been learning about living in that mission and making disciples of Jesus, not making disciples of ourselves not making disciples of Antioch, not making disciples of America or whatever it may be, but making disciples of Jesus. We learned how awesome this is and we've been getting equipped and trained. And again, the feedback has been so amazing. I told you today that we were gonna talk about one of the difficult passages in this text we've been looking at of how do you reconcile a God of love with a God who destroys cities? I'm gonna actually change the plan for a moment and I wanna share with you why. I I studied for that message, prepared that message, wrote it out, presented it to our staff, got feedback on it, was ready to go when I went home from work on Thursday. Uh, Friday is a a Sabbath day for me and take time off and try and disconnect uh, from work and just get rejuvenated. And I'm not a good napper. I've never been. My mom said when I was little, I was the kid that slept 10 minutes every hour and about drove her crazy. As an adult, I have a hard time taking naps, but I'm trying to uh, embrace them. So I was trying to take a nap on Friday. And as I was laying down, this, this impression came to my, my spirit. I sensed the Lord impressing something upon me that he wanted to speak to us as a community. And, and that is this, that, that we don't just need to learn how to go and make disciples, but there's a place where we need to learn how to be discipled. So there's not just a going that we need to learn how to do, but there's a receiving that he wants to equip us in. And there was just this impression that kind of just sprung up within me. I wasn't thinking about it. It was fairly spontaneous. And the entire time I was laying down, it was just like wrestling around in me. And I got up from my, my nap and I was like, okay, well, I don't know what to do with that. So I'll just kind of put it on the, on the back burner of the stove of my brain and just kind of let it sit there. I don't know what to do, but it was just in prayer about it and prayed into Saturday and then even into Saturday night and just felt this almost uh, compelling sense that we need to, that the Lord wants to speak to us about how to be discipled. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give the, the talk about God of love, destroy cities. I'm gonna put that on our podcast this week. So if you are really interested in that, had people in the first service be like, I was really hoping to, to, to learn more about that. That'll be on our podcast, which is available on, on all the podcast players. But, but today I wanna respond to what I believe the spirit uh, is leading us into. We try and be a spirit-led church and, and, and sometimes the spirit moves, the Holy Spirit moves through plans. I love to plan. He moves through preparation. And then sometimes there's spontaneous things that the Spirit does that we want to be responsive to. We want to respond to his promptings uh, as, he, as he leads us. And so I'm doing the best that I can to do that. Uh, and so if you're interested in that other message, check the podcast. 
We believe God has something fresh for us today. And so we're going to be actually in John 1, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And we've been learning through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, It's been amazing, and we're going to be back there. But today we're going to be in John 1 as we look at this topic. And I want to make one more mention. In the coming weeks, we're wrapping up this Mission Gives Meaning series today. In the coming weeks, we're going to enter into a new section of the Gospel of Luke that's geared around a theme that I find we all need reminders, refreshers, maybe exposure to for the first time, and that's this. God is faithful. God is faithful. And so leading up to Easter, we're going to be reading a number of stories in the Gospel of Luke that teach us and remind us about God's faithfulness. You'll see on the graphic that there's an arrow pointing backwards. That's God has been faithful. And there's an arrow pointing forwards. That's God will be faithful. And so we're just going to be reminded and center around that for the next six weeks. When I was in college, I wanted to learn how to play the guitar. I'm not that musical, but I bought the cheapest guitar I could find. I bought a tuner. I learned that you needed one of those. I bought strings and picks. I had to get all of that. And I found someone to teach me lessons. And uh, one of the things that I was so fascinated with, with the guitar, is how often it needed tuning. When it was well-tuned, it created this beautiful sound, but it would so often get out of tune. It would get out of tune if there was like a temperature change. It would get out of tune if there was a big humidity change. It would get out of tune uh, if I dropped it or it got banged around or it even just got played a lot. It would just kind of, it would kind of need to be retuned. And I find that's such a great analogy for our walk with Jesus. There are truths that we need to be retuned to at a certain frequency level for us to be the people that God's made us to be and to walk with Jesus in the way that's available to us. And so I think this God is faithful is going to be a retuning or maybe a tuning for the first time for you. I'm really excited about that. That's where we're, we're going. And it's going to be really rich. But today we're talking about being discipled disciple maker. And I have a little illustration for you to kind of help paint a picture of why this is important. We've been learning about making disciples and how that really builds our faith. But, but being a discipled disciple maker is like fertilizer. I don't know if you guys can see this. Uh, is like fertilizer for your faith. Now, this is a, a thing that you, if you don't know, you apply fertilizer here and then you, you walk with it in your yard and it has a little hole in the bottom that it spins and sprays fertilizer everywhere. Uh, If you are a hipster of some sort, you might think compost. Maybe you could say being a disciple, disciple maker is like compost for your faith. I didn't really know how to illustrate that, but I didn't know how to do this. I had fertilizer to put in here, uh, but I thought that might be a bad idea to just spray fertilizer everywhere inside. But you get the idea. Being a disciple, disciple maker is like fertilizer for your faith. You have faith. God has placed that. uh, He's at work in your lives. And he's doing things. And when we enter into, we make ourselves a part of being discipled and making disciples, we we access this fertilizer for our faith that helps us grow. And we've been learning about making disciples, but again, today we're going to talk about what do I need to do to be discipled? I've been pursuing this vision uh, about making disciples for about 20 years, which is a long time to do anything. I'm still at the beginning of the beginning, but, but have some experience. And one of the things that I've seen people get hung up on the most 
uh, is oftentimes not making disciples, but it's being discipled. There can be confusion. There can be disappointment. There can be pain. There can be longings that are unfulfilled, or I want someone to disciple me, but I don't know how to make that happen. I want a mentor. What do I do? I want someone to pour into me. How do I find that? And so if you've uh, thought of those questions, heard of those questions, I imagine that this is a, a very uh, uh, personal issue for many of us of like, I've had that question. I've wanted someone to invest in me, and I don't know how to get that. I've tried a number of things. I don't know what to do. I want to help you see from the Word of God some things that we can do that position us to be discipled, disciple makers. That sound good? Yeah. Now, are you guys going to make me preach by myself this morning? Okay, during the week, this is empty, but, but you guys are here, so you guys talk at me as we go. Can I give you this microphone, Johnny? Thank you, sir. So John chapter 1, the setting, the scene of what we're about to read is the revival that John the Baptist is leading. If you remember, John the Baptist, we learned this at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, is Jesus' cousin. And he was a prophet from the Lord. And the Lord raised him up in his generation to prepare the way for Jesus. And John is out in the wilderness. He's out in the middle of nowhere. He's not uh, in uptown. He doesn't have a large YouTube presence or Instagram presence or billboards or anything like that. He's out in the middle of nowhere. Think small town Texas out there, and he is preaching, and there's such anointing and power and transformation that is coming. God is pouring out his spirit that people are coming from all around, leaving the city and going out to the wilderness to where John the Baptist is preaching in this revival that's happening. And Jesus is just beginning. He's about to begin his public ministry. And I find it so interesting that the place Jesus went to was John the Baptist's revival. And it's there in that revival atmosphere, in that atmosphere where God is moving and pouring out his power and his spirit and people are repenting and lives are being transformed. That's where Jesus went to look for his first disciples. Jesus went to that spot of revival to look for his first disciples. And we're gonna read about how that came about in John chapter one. We are gonna be in verse 35 today. So if you'll turn in your Bibles there, verse 35, and we're gonna read, the next day, John was there again with, with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. We're in John 1, 35. That was verse 36, 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked probably what you would ask if someone was following you. What do you guys want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, we want to know where you are staying. Verse 39, come, Jesus replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing, the first thing is so interesting. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him, uh, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, brought Peter to Jesus. This is the opening story of Jesus uh, initiating discipleship with people. 
This is where he is starting to make disciples. And we learn several things in this story, several principles that will prepare us not only to make disciples, but to be discipled. The first one that I want to point out to you is related to uh, these guys. They were spiritually hungry. They left kind of the mainstream. They left where everyone was, and they were willing to go out to the wilderness. They were willing to prioritize God's presence. They were hungry. They were out there seeking the Lord. There was a hunger in their lives. And I've realized that when we want to be discipled, so often the process starts with our own spiritual hunger. God, uh, in, this, in the kingdom of God, hunger, hungry people always get fed. In God's kingdom, hungry people always get fed. It may not come in the minute, it may not come in the moment, it may not come in the month, but if you are hungry, the Lord will fill you. And it starts with a spiritual hunger. And so that's a good question to, to ask yourself. It's a good question for me to ask myself is, am, am I hungry? Am I hungry for the Lord? Am I hungry uh, for more of him? Or maybe a better uh, way to say it is, am I hungry for him to have more of me? Am I hungry for more of his spirit and more of his power and more of his love at work in my life? Am I hungry? Are you hungry? It's hunger is where it starts. And these guys, these disciples, they were hungry and they were going out to the place of revival. The second thing that I want to point out to you about where they are, and this is where Jesus chooses disciples from, is that spiritual hunger drives them into the people of God. That spiritual hunger compels them to plant themselves amongst the people of God. It doesn't, it doesn't pull them away. It compels them to plant themselves there. And that's where Jesus chooses disciples. And if you are looking for someone to disciple you, if you're looking for someone to pour into you, if you're like, man, that's what I want. I want a mentor. I want to tell you. You want to start with asking the Lord for greater hunger for him in your life. And you want to plant yourself amongst the people of God. You will not find a fruitful disciple maker. You will not find a fruitful person to disciple you who is not planted amongst the people of God. You're not going to find a fruitful disciple maker who's kind of a lone ranger Christian off on their own. You're gonna find a fruitful disciple maker when you plant yourself amongst the people of God in a local church. And so you want to resolve for the rest of your life, I hope it's this church, but it may not be, but that you are saying, hey, I wanna plant my life in a local church somewhere. I wanna plant my life, that's a priority for me. So often when we're thinking about decisions, church and the people of God is at the bottom of the list, but really it probably should be at the top of the list when we're making decisions. I wanna plant myself there. I wanna plant my family there. I wanna plant my marriage there. I wanna plant my, my, my life amongst the people of the Lord. And that is where these two guys, where they find someone to disciple them. So if you're hungry for discipleship, if you're hungry to be discipled, plant yourself here. Plant yourself. Be a part. Come serve. Come give. Come be a part. Come worship. And you will find oaks 
in this house that are willing to help you grow as an oak tree. But you will not find them as lone rangers out floating off somewhere. Right? Everyone needs people in their lives, even disciple makers. So it starts there. Those are two things that I wanted you uh, to see early on. They're amongst God's people. And then what I want to point out to you is in verse 37, when it says, when the two disciples heard him say this, when they heard John the Baptist say, this is the Lamb of God, they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. And that's so significant because what we see, we've read so many stories in the Gospels where Jesus goes out and he initiates with people. He says, hey, I want you to come and follow me. And so we often can think, man, the way this works is that someone is going to see me and say, hey, you, I want to disciple you. You come and follow me as I follow Christ. That's how we can think about this. But there's a broader paradigm that's available to us is that there's also an ability, maybe that will happen sometimes that someone will initiate with you, but there's also an ability for us to be proactive in pursuing being discipled. These guys were proactive. They heard John the Baptist say, there's the Lamb of God. And it didn't say Jesus came over to them and said, hey, come follow me. It said they followed him. So much so Jesus is like, why are you guys like walking behind me? Right? They were proactive. And so as we're talking about being discipled, I want to encourage you to be proactive. I want to encourage you to be an initiator. We don't get much in life through passivity. We want to be initiators. We want to be proactive. I shared with you last week that my discipleship to Jesus is my responsibility. Your discipleship to Jesus is your responsibility. So that empowers us to be proactive and to initiate with people and to say, hey, I see this in your life. Would you uh, pour into me? Would you mentor me? I, I want to learn from you. Like, those initiating conversations are so powerful, and they don't always happen from the discipler to the disciplee. Here we see them happening from the, the disciplee asking the discipler, would you pour into me? Would you mentor me? Can we follow you? Can we go to where you are staying? That's so significant. So I want you to be empowered today that you can be proactive in your faith. You can be proactive in pursuing someone or a group of people to disciple you. Remember we said there are three types normally of discipleship relationships. There's the running buddies. There's the older sibling, younger sibling type uh, deal. There's the spiritual parent, spiritual child type deal. And those are three different types. And in all of those, we want to be proactive in our pursuit. And I've learned that not Every person, I mean, these guys were becoming disciples of Jesus. Jesus is perfect. Jesus has it all together, right? Uh, that's, there's not a whole lot of people in life. In fact, there's none that have it all together. And so as you're thinking about, I want to be discipled, realize that there are certain people that have victory or fruitfulness or anointing in particular areas, and they may not have it all the way around in their life, but man, these might be the people to go to to learn how to do marriage, these may be the people to go to to learn how to, uh, how to walk with God in the workplace. This might be the person to go to if you're wanting to learn about the prophetic and hearing the Lord, right? Different people have different strengths, but we need to be proactive and initiate and step out and go for things. And 
what we don't realize in this passage is these guys were going from being disciples of John the Baptist, who was famous. He had a following. He had people coming out. This would, that would have been a prestigious spot to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a disciple of John the Baptist. I'm one of his boys. I'm, I have, I'm significance, right? That would, have, that would have been a spot of like influence and notoriety. And here, they are going to follow Jesus, who at this point has no following, has no fans, is fairly obscure. Like he's just starting his public ministry. So think about the amount of humility that it would take to say, I, I don't need to be seen. I don't need to be acknowledged. I don't need to have all eyes on me. I can, I can follow. I can go to this person that I believe God is calling me to. But that would be a big step of humility, right? That would be a big step of humility. And so we want to be proactive and we want to be humble. We want to be humble and look around us and be willing to, man, I want to humble myself and learn. I have lots to learn. And you have lots to learn. And so we want to humble ourselves, know our need, and be discipled in that way. Okay, as we continue on, I think that this verse in uh, verse 39 is so significant. They are following him. And Jesus says, what do you want? And, and it's so interesting. They said, you know, we want to know where you're staying. And Jesus says, come and see. And so they went and they were with him. They entered into his life. They went to where he was staying. They, they hung out with him. You know, I think it probably would have been tempting to be like, hey, Rabbi, we, you know, we were disciples of John the Baptist. Now we're willing to follow you. Um, you know, why don't you, why don't you teach us some stuff? Pour into us, you know? And, and that's not what they did. They, they just went with Jesus. And they entered into his life. And they built a relationship with him. And in many ways, Jesus served them. I mean, he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. But in many ways, these disciples served Jesus. We see stories of they need food, so the disciples go in and get food. They need a room prepared, so the disciples go and prepare a room. They were not just using Jesus for what they could get from him on their timetable, but they were also entering in for relationship and wanting to serve. And so often what can hold us back or choke out us being discipled is it's so easy for us to start using people to get what we want, even in a spiritual sense. And so someone becomes an object to me or an idol to me or a kind of my, my holy grail. I need this person to tell me, to give me advice, to pour into me, to pay me attention, right? And then we start, we miss people and we start using them, right? And I just think it's so interesting that these guys, they, they entered into Jesus' world and they're willing to go along and they built a relationship. And so I wanna encourage you just in your mindset, as you're thinking about this, is that we don't want to use people, don't use the people that are investing in you. Look to serve them. Look to build a relationship with them. And I'm not meaning in a subservient way of like, you do what I say. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about not using people and realizing that we can enter into life and we can serve in a meaningful way and build a relationship. So where this gets practical if you're wanting uh, someone, you know, you're, you're a business uh, man or a business woman and you're wanting to be mentored about, you know, walking with God in your workplace and you see someone that you feel like, man, I think they have something to offer, asking them how you could serve them if there's anything that they're working on that they need help with, 
What, what could you do to fill a gap for them? Just imagine the difference that that would make in someone being like, uh, you want, uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm working on this. Can you, you know, can you compile this report for me? And just beginning to build a relationship, not through taking, but through giving and serving. If you're wanting someone to mentor you, to disciple you who has young kids, right? Asking them for an hour at Starbucks on your own, it's just, that, that's, that's very expensive for a young mom. I should get a few more amens on that. It's very expensive. But imagine the difference that it would make if you said, hey, uh, I imagine you have your hands full. I'd like to come on Saturday afternoon and just help you with your kids. Whoa. You realize like the difference when we, when we think of people as people and we look to serve and then you're going to learn. Imagine helping that, that business leader with what they're doing. You're going to learn the way they think. You're going to learn what's important. You're going to learn the way they make decisions. As you serve them, you're going to learn in a real-life setting. If you go and, and serve a mom, you're going to watch the way that she parents her kids. You're going to watch the way that she serves. You're going to watch the way that she loves. You're going to watch, and you're going to learn things, and you're going to grow as you go and as you serve. Honestly, it might even be better that way than just kind of the one-on-one uh, dialogue. We learn by doing. And so just want to encourage you, don't use the people that are investing in you. Look to serve them. And then the last thing that I want to point out today is in verse 40. It says, Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. I love this. Andrew's first response of being a disciple is to take what he had been given, that Jesus is the Messiah, and to go and do something with it immediately. He was an implementer. He was taking what he had been given, and he was doing something with it. In this case, he was going to tell his brother, hey, I found the Messiah. Imagine if you're Jesus and you're choosing disciples, and there's you know, all these people that would like to be your disciple, but you see this one guy who when he gets a little, he takes that little and he goes and he does something with it. And then he comes back and he gets a little more and then he goes and he does something with it. You're going to be like, this is almost like a magnet of the type of person to pour into. And what I've seen is that when we, when we will apply what we're being given, so if you are in a life group and, and you're talking about whatever the topic may be, reading the Bible, if, if you will go and apply that, and then come back and talk about it, there's, you're just like a magnet for investment. Application is a magnet for investment. And sometimes when we're being discipled or we're thinking about that, we can really, if we're honest, gut check, we can want to meet with people to hear them say what we want them to say. And then when they say something different, it can be like, ah, I'm going to go find someone else to disciple me, to tell me what I really want to say. That's just a motivation check that we all can deal with, right? And it's so different when someone has taken the time, even if it's just a 15-minute phone call, if they're taking the time to pour into you, when you show that you're applying it and you're grateful for that, man, it's just like a magnet. It's like, man, I want to, I want to pour more in in this situation. Those are some basic thoughts that I wanted to give to us all that I believe the Lord wants to equip us in, that we could not just make disciples. I think God has that for us, but we could also be discipled 
disciples. That we could be both, and remember, that is a fertilizer to your faith. So if you're trying to grow in your faith this year, if you're trying to, to, to grow and be like that oak of righteousness we're talking about, this is fertilizer for you. That the Holy Spirit can use these things to strengthen us, to inspire us, to encourage us, and to help us grow. And, and there, I have a, a scar on my um, hand right here from cooking. I have another one. Uh, it's, it's actually gone away now, but it was there for several years on my wrist. No, it's still here. It's on this arm. From an iron. My right hand is my, my dangerous hand here. From an iron where it fell on me. I used to have a scar on my chest from when I was a kid. I fell off my bike and I landed on the handlebar and it didn't have like a plastic cover on it. And I, I'm, oh man, wow. Um, that was terrible. And when I was learning to play the guitar, I developed, it was very painful at first, but then I developed calluses on my fingers. And those are like scars. And some of these scars I have from mistakes that, oh man, I, I got the temperature too hot on the stove. I had oil, I had a lid on it and I lifted the lid off and a flame went up and I was like, ah! And my kids were, dad, what happened? And I burned my hand. You know, the iron, I wasn't paying attention around the iron and I just reached over and it got me. On the bike, I wasn't paying attention to my bike and how I was riding and I fell and it really hurt. Those were scars from what Dave Ramsey calls stupid tax. You know, I paid a stupid tax for doing something dumb. But I use these with my kids to talk to them and to point out, hey, don't do what dad did here. I got, I got a scar and you don't have to have that scar if you'll like pay attention to the lesson that I learned through, through, through my scar. And then I have some scars that are not from stupid tax, but from their, they're from things that I did that I was like, man, I'm so glad I did that. When I had those calluses on my fingers, I was so glad that I had those scars because it meant I was pursuing something that I had vision for. And you can learn from those things. And in the body of Christ, you're, you're not an orphan on your own just to try and figure life out. But within the body of Christ, there are scars. Scars from stupid tax and scars from victories that we all have the opportunity to learn through if we'll access being discipled and learning and growing, and you won't have to make the same mistakes some people in this church have made. And you can learn from their victories and learn from the way that they have calluses over here for doing this thing. And when it's hard for you, you'll be like, oh, that's part of the process. And that can help you grow. All right, I want to invite you to stand as we close. I just am so excited, literally, to think about these these words about being disciples, making disciples, uh, being discipled, to think of them like seeds in our lives that the Lord has planted and invested in us. And I'm just excited to see the fruit that comes. I wanna lead us now in a time of response. Uh, we're gonna take communion together here in just a moment as a way of responding to the Lord. But I also wanna give an opportunity, if you're here today, and you're like, man, I don't know about being discipled or making disciples. I, I'm still on who is Jesus. I don't know Jesus. Maybe you know religion. Maybe you know the rules. Maybe you know kind of what you should do, but you realize you don't have a relationship with, with Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to begin one today. God loves you, and he is pursuing you, and he wants to make himself known to you, and he wants you to respond. And maybe you're here, and you're like, man, I was, I was in the Lord 
and going for them a number of years ago, but I've just kind of fallen away. Stuff happened, life happened. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm, I'm trying to make my way back. I want to give you an opportunity to respond as well, and I want you to know God's not looking for you to be perfect and to get your act together to come to Him. No, He's running down the road looking for you with His arms wide open, and He's looking for you to respond to His initiation with you. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus or it's been a while and you're making your way back, I want to give you an opportunity here in just a minute if everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes just to have a private moment. I want to give you an opportunity, going to ask you in a moment, if that's you, to raise your hand. And that'll be just between me and you and the Lord. But it's a significant step. We want to pray with you uh, and help you as you take that beginning step or step of return. Jesus loves you like crazy. He loves you so much he went to the cross to die for your sins to be forgiven. He was risen on the third day. God raised him from the dead that new life might come into your life and mine. God is healing our planet and he wants to heal you and set you free and make you new and bring you into a new life. The way we access that is through what the Bible calls faith. It's believing in Jesus, believing in him being Lord, and also uh, believing that God raised him from the dead and repenting, saying, I wanna follow you. I want you to be in the driver's seat. I want you to be the captain uh, of, of my ship. And if that's you today, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you never said, I wanna follow you, I want you to be the captain, or if it's just been a long time, you're trying to make your way back, I want you to raise your hand for me so we can pray. Again, every eye uh, closed, every head bowed, but if you could raise your hand if that's you. I'll give you an opportunity to respond today. All right, I want to lead us in a, a prayer, seeing hands up here in the room. I want to lead you in a prayer and then want to uh, lead us all. If you just join in with me uh, in, in praying this, Jesus, I need you. I want to follow you. I need your forgiveness. I need your new life. I need your love. So here I am. Fill me up. Make me new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Such a significant step for those of you that are responding in that way. For all of us, we get the opportunity to take communion. The officiants will be here at the front of the sanctuary. They'll have the elements, the bread and the cup. And when you're ready, you can come forward and they'll give that to you. And then you can return to your seat. And as the worship team leads us, you can take communion when you're ready. Uh, it's just a way of coming to the Lord with what he's doing in our lives. So I want to invite you to respond as the worship team leads us. great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows 
we praise you and we thank you. Hey, church, it's so good just to be in the house of the Lord with you uh, this morning here at Antioch. We want to be sons and daughters that practice his, that, sorry, that, let me stop. We want to be sons and daughters that encounter Jesus, practice his ways, and build his kingdom in our city and in our nation and in the nations of the earth. And so with that, uh, one of the ways that we build his kingdom is through our giving. And so uh, the way that we give here is through our joy box as you are exiting the service. Uh, or you can give online at AntiochDallas.org or you can email us and we can help you uh, in how to do that. If this is your first time with us and uh, you, or you've given your life over to the Lord, we want to get to know you and we want to walk with you. And so if you could just fill out this next step card that's located in the seat back pocket in front of you and either drop it off in the joy box or visit our welcome home desk at the back and someone will be there uh, to meet you, to greet you and to tell you any next steps. Uh, our prayer and prophetic team is going to be up here to help you pray. If there's anything that you need prayer for, uh, if you have given your life over to Jesus and you want to know more, uh, there, there are men and women who are going to be standing up here to pray with you. And so, church, it's really good to be in the house. And I hope, I hope that you would continue coming and that you would continue seeking the Lord and, and just encountering him as you go about your life and you integrate your faith and your work together and see Jesus uh, just come alive in those areas of your life with your friends around you. And so with that, I want to pray a, a prayer blessing over you. So if you could just get in a posture of receiving. And I want to pray and I want to say, Antioch, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so I place the name of the Lord Jesus Christ on you, and he shall bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. You are dismissed.